Today is from 2 Peter, verse um, 3 to 13, um, and this is called The Living Stone and a Chosen People. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the word of God. Well, thank you. It's a real uh, privilege to be invited to share in the preaching ministry of this church. So thank you, Megan, for uh, inviting me and uh, particularly to speak on this theme the, uh, about the body of Christ, the church. Now, I, I, uh, Megan's been leading us in recent weeks on a series based on the true you. Discovering Your God-Given Identity and Calling. So I just want to share with you where the inspiration for this message started. It was a few weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, when Athel and I were here worshipping, and uh, Philip was leading us in singing that day, and my eyes were really caught by this banner, Belong, Believe, Bless. Now, we've been here often, seen the banner, but that day was very different. I, I was really captured by it. And uh, we were singing the song at the time, This I Believe. And then the next song we sang was uh, Cornerstone. That's my hope is built on nothing less, isn't it? Cornerstone. And I felt directed to pick up the Bible and look at that passage that Alan has just read, 1 Peter 2. And it was like a light came on. I thought, it's all there. Belong, believe, bless. It's all there in this passage. That's what I'm going to preach on in a few weeks. So I, I kind of filed that thought away and uh, then went on with life and uh, came this week to do that uh, intensive preparation for the message today. That's how it all came to be. So uh, in this, we're, we're actually looking at uh, the identity of Christ, who Christ is, and who we are as part of his body, the church, our identity in that there are various metaphors used throughout the New Testament to describe the church. And the church has many expressions. There's uh, this local church, along with other churches in the Hobsons Bay community, the local church. Or it may even be a house church. It doesn't have to be a church in a building. As the Williamstown Church of Christ, 
we are part of, affiliated with, the movement known as Churches of Christ in Victoria and Tasmania. And uh, we're going to celebrate having been part of that for 130 years. That's how long uh, this church's history goes back, actually a couple of years even before that, when it started with a small group of people. And it has uh, local, national and international links. And then when we think about the church in its widest sense, there is the universal church to which all believers in Jesus Christ belong. So throughout the world today, in hundreds, thousands of places at different times, there will be people gathering today to worship God, to share in communion, to be taught from his word. And we are part of that body. Isn't that magnificent? The church is made up of many members that comprise the one body of Christ. That's one of the metaphors or images that is used in the New Testament to talk about the church. The church is the bride of Christ. It is the family of God. It is God's house. And then as it is described in 1 Peter 2, the church is the temple of God built with living stones, with Christ as the foundation and cornerstone, with the Holy Spirit indwelling it. Now, I love how in preparation, and Megan and I were talking before the service about the responsibility it is in uh, preparing to preach and how it actually weighs heavily upon us. And, uh, you know, you wonder, we wonder, is this what God wants to be saying? Is this how the Spirit is inspiring me? And, uh, and so, you know, we, we sit with that in our preparation and then give it to God when it's or when it has all come together. Now, something wonderful happened in this service already uh, today. When Megan shared with us about the word from Jeremiah, that uh, before we were formed, God knew us. And my mind went to a passage, so I had to look it up, where God... Where Paul writes about the church, and this is what he says, because it links in very strongly with Megan's word from Jeremiah. So this is in Ephesians 3. And Paul says, This grace was given to me to bring to the Gentiles the news of the boundless riches of Christ and to make everyone see what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, hidden for ages in God who created all things. And this is the mystery. So that through the church, the wisdom of God in its rich variety might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So there you are. The idea of the church was in the mind of God before creation. The church is not a human idea or a human formation. It is God's plan. And we are called into it, called to be part of it. And in all the humanness of the church, it's good to be reminded about that. So thank you, Megan for the way that 
those ideas have, have just combined right in this very service. Let's look in a little more detail at what it means to belong, to believe and to bless. Peter writes very powerfully about a sense of belonging to Christ and belonging to the body and belonging in the body. Here we are. And uh, this is where he writes about belonging. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. You are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. What could be a stronger statement about belonging and identity than that? Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. And this is all about what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. Our sense of security is bound up with where we belong and to whom we belong. A child's need to belong is met initially within a family. Other than the devastating experiences when a child experiences rejection and abuse. Have you ever had the experience of being part of a group of people and feeling a bit uneasy as I don't really know where I belong here. I don't really feel part of it. Inside us all, no matter what image we might project, there is a deep longing to belong. We've talked about that this morning already in relation to sporting clubs. And, uh, you know, when the, the songs are being sung, theme songs of football clubs or, or soccer teams or whatever, there's that a sense of belonging. People love it. And even if they only gather at that time for that match, they feel that they belong. It's, the song becomes a badge of their identity. This longing is part of the way God made us, to live in community with himself and in relationship with others and that sense of belonging. Jenna Lusk did not have a safe or peaceful home or childhood it wasn't until she became involved in the church as an adult that she experienced what she had been longing for. Churches should be places where the neglected, the voiceless, the broken-hearted, the crushed in spirit and the weary find love, kindness and the hope of Jesus Christ. When you find a people and a place like that, you yearn to belong. That was her experience. She found her belonging in the church. Sometimes people will develop a sense of belonging a long time before they work out what they believe or what the teaching of the church means. This places importance on how we develop relationships with one another within the body of the church and how we develop relationships with those who are part of our daily experience of life. 
Do we care about what's going on in people's lives? The National Church Life Survey is a survey that is undertaken every five years by churches that want to do it uh, in Australia. I think they actually have now, and now do it kind of overseas as well. But uh, so churches in Australia can be part of this survey every five years. And a lot of research is done on the basis of the survey results. And their recent research indicates, as I have on the slide there, that as society becomes increasingly fragmented, Australians search for community, somewhere to belong, somewhere that offers identity and security. For many people, the church provides an important sense of community and belonging. And the other side of belonging is involvement. So sometimes we, we take those tentative steps to be part of the church. And Megan has issued an invitation, as she does every week, for people who might want to take that further step of belonging to speak to her. And I encourage you, if you are moved that way today, to do that, to cement that sense of belonging and identity as part of the body of Christ. So belong and believe. What sets the church apart from any other organisation, institution or club and what gives the church its life is not only what we believe but in whom our belief is based. In the Bible passage, Peter writes about Christ as the living cornerstone, rejected by people, but chosen by God and precious to him. Christ is a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Christ is the cornerstone. We sing about that. The foundation of our faith, the foundation of the church, the source of life, and he is to have first place. As the cornerstone, he holds the church together so it doesn't fall apart. And in the long history of the church, Despite all the schisms and the conflicts and the ways in which the church is separated into different denominations, it has not disintegrated. It has not disintegrated. And there is a profound movement in churches across the world that we uh, celebrate the unity that we have, that the spirit brings the cornerstone is an important part of a building. It forms the base of a corner of a building joining two walls. All other stones will be set in reference to this stone. It becomes the stone that everything is aligned to. And you can see why Peter uses this example of the cornerstone and why he calls Christ the cornerstone. Now, when you go outside, you'll find a cornerstone on this church building. I wonder if you know where it is. 
Cornerstones also have a symbolic meaning as they usually have an engraving commemorating the date when the building was built or a person who laid the foundation stone. I'm going to show you two photos. That's a stone inscription outside this church. I'm not going to tell you where it is. You can look afterwards and if you don't, haven't found it by the time you go home, come and ask me and I'll show you. And uh, there's also this stone inscription. I wonder if you know where that is. Does anyone know? Robert? Out the door on the step. When you come into this church, you actually step on that every time you come in. So there are two significant stones in uh, this building. But, you know, even more significant than that is that you are the living stones that form this local church. You are living stones, precious to God. The church is to be Christ-centred. It is what sets the church apart from all other organisations or clubs or groups. No person is the central focus of a church, not even the minister. Christ is. Everything is to be aligned with him. It is important to remember that in the New Testament, writings about the church, a particular model of church was not being promoted or emphasised. As believers gathered in households and other places, they were learning, caring, worshipping and missionary communities of believers. You know, we can be the same. With each person contributing what they are uniquely gifted to be and do, empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is summed up in Paul's words, from Christ, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And that's a significant thing in that verse in Ephesians 4.16 that the the body, the church, grows and builds itself up only as each part does its work, as each of you as a living stone are built into this spiritual uh, church and as we each get on and do what we are called to do in our identity in Christ. It's really exciting to see the way different people do different things in the life of this church, isn't it? And sometimes you you might think, well, I'd like to be like Megan. I wish I could do that. and uh, Or I'd like to be like Kate and be able to pray like that. Or I'd like to be like, like Robert and uh, cook helping hand meals. But, you know, God has equipped you to do what he wants you to do, just as he equips He equips each one of us. Today we sang the words, I believe in your holy church. My goodness, that's a powerful statement. Some people would struggle to believe that because they haven't found their experience of church or of the community of faith to be positive or life-giving. And that's really sad when that happens. It doesn't mean 
by singing, I believe in the Holy Church, that everything about the church is perfect. We are in constant need of renewal and revival. As Christine Pohl writes in her book, Living into Community, Cultivating Practices that Sustain Us, she writes, Growing into the likeness of Christ and into the church as it's supposed to be cannot be separated from the messiness and disappointments that are part of human relationships. Good communities and life-giving congregations emerge at the intersection of divine grace and steady human effort. We hold in tension the church as it is meant to be and the church as it is now. Never forget that Christ loved the church and gave his life for the church. His life, death and resurrection is at the heart of the church's existence and the foundation of our faith. We remember that every week when we share in communion. And part of the, the joy of communion is that it strengthens us as believers, but it strengthens the body as we participate together. As God sent Jesus into the world, so Jesus sends us into the world to declare who God is as he is seen in Jesus. No other belief will sustain the church in these challenging times. Belong, believe and bless. A couple of weeks ago, I took my elderly parents to a medical appointment and then I took them to lunch. When we walked into the cafe where we were to have lunch, I got them seated at a table and briefly acknowledged a woman who was sitting at a nearby table because she'd moved a chair so that I could uh, put Dad's walker there. I went to the counter and ordered our meals and sat down. About five minutes later, the waitress came over and put money on the table, $33.50 in cash. And I said to her, what's this for? She said, read the note. And this is what the note said. I cannot do it for my parents. Let me do it for yours. Enjoy your parents. I feel like I'm tearing up as I even remember it. Ah, we, were, we were blown away, really. And she had gone. It was the woman who I had briefly acknowledged, who moved the chair and just saw us sit at the table. So we weren't even able to say thank you. I asked the waitress if the woman came in to thank her from us. That's all I could do. I don't even know how to get in contact with her. It was an unexpected blessing on what had been a rather stressful day. It's not always an easy experience taking a 95 and 96-year-old out with their walking stick and their walker and the medical appointments. And uh, so kind of when I sat down, I think I actually, at the cafe, I think I just went, oh, I can't wait for my cup of coffee. <laughs> I have no idea whether that woman is a Christian or not. 
but I believe her action was prompted by a generous spirit. And James says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Reflecting on this incident, the blessing was not actually in the money, but in the awareness that someone noticed what was happening and wanted to express what was in her heart. When have you received an unexpected blessing from someone or been the initiator of a blessing to someone else? Peter, in the passage we have been looking at, writes, You can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbours. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honourable behaviour and they will give honour to God when he judges the world. You can show others the goodness of God. That's how we're to be a blessing. We experience blessings of care, friendship and support within the corporate life of the church. It's an important part of our life together as the body of Christ in the caring and supportive ministries that happen. But we're not meant to lock up God's blessings just for us. They're meant to flow out from us to others. We are to be salt and to be light in the world. That happens as we take our discipleship seriously, what it means to be a follower of Jesus in our daily life. So at the moment we are the church gathered and it's a very rich experience, isn't it? In about an hour's time or earlier, we will become the church scattered, scattered like salt on a meal. Scattered like lights shining. Uh, I watched, or we watched the, the, the closing ceremony of the Invictus Games last night. So inspiring. In fact, I was far more inspired by that than I am with all the glitzy stuff that happens at the closing ceremonies of the Olympic Games. I thought it was just about people and so much singing. And do you remember, and I can't remember who the singer was or what the song was, he got everybody to get their phones and put the lights on and to hold them up. And so around that whole stadium, the, the lights were shining. Now imagine as we go out as the scattered church, we're holding up the light of Jesus and letting light shine in the darkness of the world. This is expressed so well by Eugene Peterson, an American minister, biblical scholar and author who died during the week. Through his preaching, teaching and writing, he has influenced countless numbers of people and shaped the thinking and practice of thousands, thousands of ministers. I know, I don't know how many books of his are on my shelves at home and I love his writing as Megan does too. In fact, he was at Regent College. Did you experience his lecturing? Not firsthand, no, where Megan uh, studied for her uh, master's degree. But he wrote the Bible translation, The Message, because he wanted people to be able to access the truth of the teaching of the Bible in contemporary language and thought. 
And, you know, when you pick up the message, there is a freshness about it. And this is what he said. Christians don't simply learn or study or use scripture. We assimilate it, take it into our lives in such a way that it gets metabolised into acts of love, cups of cold water, missions into all the world, healing and evangelism and acts of justice in Jesus' name, hands of adoration raised to the Father, feet washed in company with a son. That's about being the blessing in the world. Many people have given up on the church as an institution. Some of this has been the result of the sad and horrific stories of child abuse that were disclosed in the Royal Commission into institutional responses to child sexual abuse. We have a God-given opportunity now as the church, meaning the whole church, in how we respond now to victim survivors and their families. In the light of the apology given by the Prime Minister earlier this week on behalf of all Australians, we have the opportunity to provide compassion and provide redress. The church needs healing. The church needs healing. So the warning that Peter gave is applicable today. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbours. Live an exemplary life so that your actions will refute their prejudices. Now, this is not about being holier than thou or being self-righteous or saying, I'm better because I'm a Christian. No, no. Live an exemplary life means living into your identity, living in the best way you can to bless others. Some would say that they believe in God, but I don't need the church. I don't don't need to go there on a Sunday. I can worship God in my garden. Maybe that's why some people have very beautiful gardens. For many people, the church is invisible and irrelevant within our communities. But before we become depressed about this, let us be committed to doing what we can with what we have, where we are and who we are, inspired by the Holy Spirit to be a blessing in our various walks of life. There are things we can do corporately and things that are done on our behalf by large-scale Christian organisations working for justice around the world in war-torn areas and in places of poverty and disease. So the, the groups that I name now, as I was thinking about, the, this is, this is the, the work of the wider universal church as God inspires people to go to places of dire need. Act for Peace, Global Mission Partners, Urban Neighbours of Hope, World Vision, Christian Blind Mission, Christian World Service, Compassion Australia, Habitat for Humanity, Mercy Ships, Open Door. So many and many, many more, all inspired. God's idea way back before creation that this is how the world will come to know the goodness of God. 
And so we have those organisations doing work on our behalf because we may not be called to actually be involved in those, but we can support in prayer and financially where we are invited to do that. And they are all motivated by Jesus' words as we are. On a large scale as well as the smaller scale, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Christine Pohl, from whose book I quoted earlier, writes, the character of our shared life as congregations, communities and families has the power to draw people to the kingdom or to push them away. May this be a church that draws people to the kingdom as we are called to do our part in demonstrating by, by our very lives the goodness of God, the love of Jesus and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So in conclusion, I'd like to challenge us, us this week to be the initiators of blessing to someone or to others. And you can pray this as a daily prayer, Lord Jesus, how do you want me to be a blessing today? And who do you want me to bless? If we all do that this day, we will be taking the blessings that we have known as chosen by God as living stones and sharing that goodness of God where he takes us, where he scatters us. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, you love the church and you gave your life for it. You call us to be holy and we cannot do that without the cleansing of your blood and the cleansing by your word. Thank you for all the wonderful passages that we have in scripture that show us what it means to be the church in its richest sense. Speak into our lives today about how you want us to continue to live out our God-given identity, called to be part of your body, called to show your goodness, called to demonstrate that you have called us out of darkness into your wonderful light. And Lord, this week, may we shine like lights for you, not pointing to us, but pointing to you, the precious cornerstone the one who gave your life for us and for the church. Lord, through each one of us and through the life of this church, may you be drawing people to come closer to you, to experience all the goodness and the riches of your grace. To you be honour and glory in the church, now and throughout the ages. Amen.